Michael, this is all very confusing. This is On Markets with Remy Tino and Mike, the podcast where we decrypt and demystify economic, financial, and other investing concepts. As some listeners may already know, Tino, Mike, and I are partners in a wealth management firm. However, what you might not know is that we also run an asset management firm. We rarely talk about our own firms because the purpose of this podcast is to help educate our listeners, not promote our own business. But that being said, we often get questions as to what the difference is between asset management and wealth management and how they relate to each other. So today we're going to take a look at what each side does and why both sides are equally important. So before we get started, guys, I want to touch on the survey that we did a few weeks ago. For our regular listeners, uh, you may remember that we sent out a survey about six weeks ago asking you what you thought about the show, what changes you like to see, things like that. So we actually made a few immediate changes as a result of that survey. We started doing two shows a week instead of one. We keep each episode restricted to one or two topics. We've shortened each episode from 40 minutes to between 15 and 20 minutes. Beginning this month, we're going to integrate another change that was requested, which is that we'll begin periodically bringing guests on the show. But we want to take that a little bit further. So following every episode in which we have a guest, we'll release a bonus episode that's a one-on-one interview with that guest, giving them a chance to go into detail about their background, their expertise, and have a quick discussion about something relevant to their specific business or industry. Those episodes will be called the Origin Series, and we've put a lot of time and effort into them, so we hope you like them and find them valuable. Okay, wealth management versus asset management. These two have a somewhat symbiotic relationship. Tino, you run our asset management business, so why don't you start the conversation and explain exactly what asset management is. So what asset management is, it's a business of helping uh, investors achieve specific types of goals. Uh, And if you think about from the perspective of, let's say, a grocery store, you walk into a grocery store and you've got a number of different options of different things to buy. And what we try to do is we try to put solutions for investors on that shelf. So when they walk in and if they're looking for uh, an equity growth portfolio, or if they're looking for something to generate income or to hedge some type of a risk, there will be solutions on the shelf for them to be able to achieve those goals. So Mike, you run the wealth management side of the business. What exactly happens on that side? Well, to stick with Tino's uh, grocery store analogy, if Tino is putting solutions on the shelf, you know, we would be probably more analogous to the chef cooking the meal. We work with people, we will sit down, we'll talk about what their goals are. We'll talk about various aspects of their financial life, taxes, estate planning, uh, and asset management is, is a part of that. So let's say we've got someone that is determined that they want to uh, just say save for retirement is probably the most common thing. And, you know, we'll determine sort of what their time frame is, you know, where they want to be, what they want to accomplish. And we'll go to Tino's grocery store and pick the right solution to suit that particular goal. But that's really what we do. You, Tino, you've mentioned before that being a, a financial advisor is sort of like being someone's personal CFO. And that mm-hmm. really is what it's like, right? We'll, we'll deal with the other professionals on the team and we try to make sure that everybody is coordinated and everybody's working together. And asset management is a part of that. So the grocery store analogy makes it very easy for everybody to understand. Everybody's been to a grocery store, everybody's purchased ingredients of some sort, and most everybody is probably their own chef. But there's a pretty distinct difference as well. You know, when I go to the grocery store and I buy ingredients for whatever it is that I'm making, well, more likely I buy ingredients for whatever my wife's going to make me. I can't talk to whoever has created those ingredients, right? I go to the grocery store, whatever ingredients are on the shelf, that's what I have to pick from. So I pick whatever I I can get and I come home. That may or may not be exactly what I need, but that's not exactly how it works between asset management and, and wealth management. 
right? There's a much more collaborative uh, work process with wealth management and asset management. So why don't you talk about that and how you guys work together? Yeah, you're right about that. There, there's a lot of, we do work together collaboratively quite quite a bit. You know, if I'm sitting with a client and, and we're working together and, and we come up with whatever the goal happens to be, I may have an idea about how I would like to solve that problem, but I don't really make the decision in a vacuum. I'll pick up the phone frequently and call Sorrentino and say, hey, Mike, you know, what do you think about this? I've got a client that wants to do X, Y, Z. My thought is that this is the solution that we should use. What do you think? More often than not, we agree, but sometimes Tino has a different perspective on it that I hadn't thought of. So you're right. There's input from both sides and that you're right. That doesn't happen between a, a chef and, and the grocer. So Tino, how much influence does the wealth management side have on the solutions that you're creating? A tremendous amount. I mean, I, I would say that our, our best ideas tend to come from Mike and other financial advisors uh, out there and wealth managers for that matter, uh, reaching out and saying, hey, do you have something like this? Or it'd be great if you could build something like this. Simply because again, you know, from from my perspective, we're not necessarily on the front lines. So asset managers, they, they rarely speak directly to end investors simply because we're, to Mike's point, we're a component in the process. We're we're not driving the process. So uh, for us to get good collaboration with our with with the wealth managers, it allows us to build products that, from our perspective, are directly in line with what the market's asking for versus us just trying to guess and kind of throw everything against the wall and let's pray one or two things stick. So it's a very efficient and effective way for us to work together. So I think one thing that's important for our listeners to understand is that while we own an asset management firm and we also own a wealth management firm, that's not always the case. People that own wealth management firms don't always own asset management firms and vice versa. That just happens to be our situation. So the obvious question is, if we do both, why not just combine it and make it one company? And I think it's important to understand why it's it's two distinct entities and two very individual entities. Tino, maybe you can talk a little bit more about why our asset management component is a separate entity. It's a separate entity primarily because for us to, you know, we obviously were working with our own wealth managers here, uh, but there are other wealth managers out there that also want to to use our solutions. And there are other wealth managers out there that we benefit working with. And as we just discussed, a lot of our good ideas, a lot of you know, the solutions that we're building here come from wealth managers. And, and it's good to have a very diverse group of investors and wealth managers, for that matter, providing us with ideas and, and, and vice versa. We're able to work with them. So it's, it's from a relationship basis, I think it's very important. I would say that there are several wealth managers out there that outsource their asset management uh, to third-party organizations, which is, there's nothing wrong with that. I think it's perfectly fine. It's just, it, everybody's different. You know, it can go back to Mike's analogy of being the personal CFO. Like any other business, let's say you're Boeing and as a CEO, you decide, okay, well, let's not build this in-house. Let's outsource this to someone else. What we've made the conscious decision here to do is to uh, make sure that everything is done in-house. But you know, to your point, Remy, we do offer our asset management services to other, other wealth managers. To add to that, you know, probably 90% of the time Tino has a solution, but occasionally somebody has a specific need and Tino doesn't have the only grocery store in town. You know, maybe maybe sometimes Whole Foods doesn't have exactly what I'm looking for and, and I need to go to Fresh Market. And that does happen on our side too. So we're not exclusive to each other. We do work together pretty frequently or almost exclusively, but not quite. There may be a need that I have that, that Tino can't provide for. Yeah, that actually happens quite a bit. I mean, as an asset manager, we we do take a more of a generalist approach, but we we most certainly don't have every expertise and manageable in house. Uh, you know, we we can't be everything to everybody. So, from a wealth manager's perspective, it's good to have a team versus an individual or or a singular point of asset management. 
So for our listeners and for the average investor, why is it important to understand the difference between a wealth manager and an asset manager? Generally, somebody who's looking for a financial advisor is not looking for an asset manager, although they may be working with one and not realize that they are. From my perspective, uh, you know, I've been working in markets for a long time now, a couple of decades, but I've never once put a financial plan together. You know, I mean, I, I have an idea of what financial planning is. Uh, I understand, to Mike's point, insurance to a very small degree, but I, I, I couldn't tell you how to, how to build an income solution for, for somebody going into retirement. It's just not something that I do. I guess to answer your question directly, it's important for people to understand that there's lots of moving parts sort of behind what a wealth management firm does. And, I, and I'll even say that, you know, I know that there are a lot of uh, financial advisors out there that try to do it all. Uh, again, based on what we're saying here, I think that would be a very challenging thing to pull off is to, to be able to do the financial planning, the estate, the tax, and then have enough time to follow markets and build solutions that can get clients to what, whatever goals are, they're trying to achieve and run the business at the same time. I think that's a very difficult thing. So I think it's a testament to a team-based approach and, and for, for, for investors to truly understand the differences between asset management, wealth management, insurance, estate planning, to get an idea of just how sophisticated many of these solutions end up being. So I'm curious, Mike, you're, you're working with clients on a daily basis. Do you ever have clients that, that want to speak to the asset management side? Yeah, of course we do. In fact, I encourage it. You know, I met with someone a couple of weeks ago that, that had a, a very extensive financial background and they really wanted to get very granular as to how one of the models that we were talking about was put together. And quite honestly, I couldn't answer those questions. Uh, it was very easy for me to say, I'd love, let's just talk to our, our portfolio manager. He can answer anything that you need. And, you know, we dial Tino up on Zoom and it's a conversation. And quite honestly, I learned from those conversations as well. I think it's really important to have access to who looks after your money, uh, not just on my side and the asset management side, but the insurance, uh, estate planning, and whatnot. Uh, you know, one of my rules is, as as I mentioned earlier, we're not we can't be everything to everyone, and there are parts of financial markets we don't consider ourselves to be experts at. And when we bring in outsource, when we're or for that matter, when we outsource asset management needs, one of my criteria has always been I need to be able to talk to the person making the decisions. That that need certainly comes up every once in a while but not, admittedly not often. I think that's the same thing that we're talking about here. You know, if we have an investor who has entrusted Mike to getting them to wherever they need to be in retirement, having access to myself and my team, I think is actually very important because uh, if anything else, you get to talk to the person who really is looking after the money or at least that, that portion of the wealth that, that's being managed. So when we were in our business planning phase for, for, for asset management, you know, that was something that was very important, you know, uh, that you brought up a number of times is that you wanted to make sure the clients had access to you and your team. Is that common for an asset management firm or, or is that something that you specifically wanted to add in here because it's a benefit that most clients don't have access to? I would say it's pretty rare. It's a, it's a philosophical difference. When I, when I think about how do you make money, how do you achieve goals over the long run? It is to think long term. The challenge in this business, though, is that it's run on short-term dynamics, annual returns, the need to see things happening in portfolios and whatnot. So there's a disconnect between those two. And we've always talked about here about the, the way to, to solve for that disconnect is through communication and service. So that, when, that way, when things get weird, we don't panic. And when you want to be able to talk to somebody that's, that's looking after your nest egg, you pick up the phone and we can make that happen. To us, that bridges that gap. That way we can keep our investors calm and patient and willing to fo stay focused on the long run versus some of the panic that happens or some of the emotions that, that cause markets to move in the short term. So that's just our way of doing business here. It, it always has been. 
Uh, I know it sounds a bit like a sales pitch, but really it's more, more than anything else is that we we want to talk to clients. We try to, I mean, myself personally, I spend probably 30% of my week, maybe 50% of my week on the portfolios. Uh, I spend the most of my time though out there communicating, writing, uh, doing podcasts, things of this nature, simply because uh, we feel from a value proposition, that's what uh, Darwin Asset Management is going to be able to provide that others uh, are, are going to be more challenged to do. I think it creates you know, a unique sort of circumstance, the way that we have it structured, because typically, let's say I, I call a third party asset manager that, that I don't have a real relationship with, you know, essentially he's a product provider and he's going to try to convince me his product is the best product. He doesn't really have an interest in me doing the best thing for the client. He has an interest in me using his product. With our structure, it's a little different because Tino does have an interest in the, in solving the client's problem and not just necessarily in using the model he may have put together because he's got ownership on both sides of the coin. So it, it does create a little bit of a different dynamic here than I think you're going to see in other asset management and wealth management firms. So this is a question for both of you guys. Is there an advantage to working with a wealth management firm that is also associated with an asset management firm versus working with a wealth management firm that is using strictly third-party asset management? Is there an advantage either way, one side or the other? You could argue both sides of that, right? If, if I'm working with a, a wealth management firm that also owns an asset management firm, are, are they going to sort of tend to use those solutions first versus working with a wealth management firm that has no relationship with an asset management firm, and they'll be completely agnostic as to what solutions they use. So I can sort of see it both ways. And I think that one sort of boils down to being sure that you have the right relationship, the, the person that you trust, the person who you agree with philosophically in the way that they do things. Yeah, because you could have some weird incentives there if you're not careful. You could run in a situation where you know you 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 realize that the asset manager is underperforming, or there's or it's no longer the right fit. And are you really going to fire somebody who's associated with you? So by by using a third party manager, there are advantages, right? You could say, okay, well, uh, this fund isn't isn't performing well, or or whatever the situation may be. So we're going to quote unquote fire that manager and then bring somebody else in uh, who's better suited for that situation. So I guess from, from a, an investor standpoint, when you're looking at, at potential advisors, I think that's important to make sure that the incentives are aligned in, in a way that's most conducive to your current situation. Yeah. So I think that's probably the biggest takeaway actually of this conversation is that when somebody is going to look for a new financial advisor or a new wealth management firm, maybe that is a question that they need to ask. Who is your asset management provider? Who is your solution provider? And if it's a provider that is commonly owned, you know, maybe the, the next question is, well, do I have access and can I speak to that asset manager as well? Podcast is created and presented by Darwin Asset Management LLC and Darwin Advisors LLC, collectively referred to as Darwin. Darwin does not make any representation or warranties and therefore takes no responsibility as to the accuracy, timeliness, suitability, completeness, or relevance of any information contained in this podcast. Any tax or legal information contained in this podcast is general in nature. Always consult an attorney or tax professional regarding your specific legal or tax situation. The information presented does not involve the rendering of personalized investment advice. Different types of investments involve varying degrees of risk, and there can be no assurance that any investment or strategy will be suitable or profitable for a client's portfolio. All investment strategies have the potential for profit and loss. Past performance may not be indicative of future results. Information presented is not an offer to buy or sell or a solicitation of any offer to buy or sell the securities mentioned herein. 